This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Uh, good morning, everybody. Thanks so much uh, for coming or being with us via live stream. So glad to be together, glad to see you're, you've learned to greet one another from six feet away very effectively. Turn with me, please, to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We'll be looking today, verses 12 down through verse 31. We'll walk through this text, and at the end we'll celebrate communion together. These very cool communion things. Mark chapter 14. Heavenly Father, this is the Word of God. It's the Word of Christ. As an individual, as a church, we are desperate for this Word. So Lord, I pray, be with us through Your Spirit this morning and let His Word edify our soul. Let our faith be built this morning. I pray for that, Lord. Thank you in advance, in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 12, on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready, there prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and, and to say to him one after another, is, is it I? And he said to them, it is one of the twelve. One who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Verse 22, And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it, and he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. 
Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Lord, have mercy on Peter. This morning we want to come to the table, the Lord's Supper, and take possession of grace that we need for courage and faithfulness. I think that's what the Lord wants to accomplish today. Oh, how we need it. Our text highlights this contrast between our tendency and our weakness to be faithless and His faithfulness. That's the point of this text. His faithfulness in the midst of an incredible pressure and trial to fulfill His calling. This is His body that was broken for us. Remember in Mark 1, Mark started out and he said, this is the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The good news about Christ. That's what this is. Now we're in the thick of it. Now our mission is to build this church on this Gospel. We want to be faithful to build this church on this Gospel. And the key is to keep fighting to keep Christ as our treasure. Thank you, Zach and the team, for leading us and singing this morning that helped us do that. This is what keeps a church, a pastor, a Christian healthy, alive, faithful. It's, it's to fight in these troubling days for, for joy in Christ, to keep Him central so He remains our treasure, the life of our church. You may have heard of Charles Spurgeon. He was an amazing 19th century British pastor. He was a phenom. Before he was 20 years old, he had preached 600 sermons. They were all published and sold around the the world. His collected sermons fill 63 volumes today. About 20 million or 25 million words. It's the largest set of books by any Christian. There are so many stories told about the power of his preaching. One woman was converted... Someone had taken one of his sermons, printed out, and wrapped butter in it. When she got her butter out, she read it and was converted. He typically read six books a week. And years later, he could remember exactly what he read and where it was in the book. 
When he came to the church that he pastored, they had 232 members. When he left, they had 5,311. It was the largest independent church in the world. He was a faithful pastor for 40 years. He didn't fall away. His church was faithful. In his first sermon at the church, he said, I would propose that the subject of the ministry of this house, as long as this podium shall stand and as long as this house shall be frequented by worshipers, shall be the person of Jesus Christ. Over 30 years later, in 1891, here's his last words that he preached in his last sermon. It is heaven to serve Jesus. I'm a recruiting sergeant, and I would fain, I would like, I would be pleased to find a few recruits at this moment. Every man must serve somebody. I think he liked Bob Dylan. We have no choice as to that fact. Those who have no master are slaves to themselves. Depend upon it, you will either serve Satan or Christ either self or the Savior. You will find sin, self, Satan, and the world to be hard masters. But if you wear the livery of Christ, if you serve Him, you will find Him so meek and lowly of heart that you will find rest unto your souls. These 40 years and more I have served Him. Blessed be His name. And I have had nothing but love from Him. I would be glad to continue yet another 40 years in the same dear service here below if it so pleased Him. His service is life, peace, joy. Oh, that you would enter on it at once. God help you to enlist under the banner of Jesus even this day. Amen. To serve Christ, Spurgeon worked over 18 hours a day. There was a famous missionary named David Livingston. Dr. Livingston, I presume. Once asked him, how do you manage to do two men's work in one day? And he said, Dr. Livingston, you've forgotten there are two of us. It was a reference to the Spirit of Christ that we receive because of the Gospel. That's what we want to appropriate today. This year... We had to cancel our 30th anniversary party due to the pandemic. But most importantly, by the grace that comes to us through Christ, let's serve Him faithfully for another 30 years. Amen? I promise you will have a different senior pastor by then. But as long as he tarries, let's be faithful. And may this word of Christ this morning help us. I think it's meant to do that. Mark often will place, as you know, the main point he's trying to make. He's going to highlight something by putting it in the middle of two similar things. That's what this text looks like. So the highlight is in the middle, little middle section of our text. Part A, Judas will fall away. That's verses 18 through 21. Part B is the Last Supper that highlights Christ will be faithful. This is my body, broken for you. Part C goes back to betrayal. All the disciples will fall away. The main point of our text is that Jesus is faithful to His calling, to His promises, to His followers. 
even when it costs him everything, even when he's surrounded by betrayers. It isn't the worthy that Jesus lays down his life for. He lays down his life for the unworthy, for these disciples that are dipping in the bowl with him. He lays down his life for cowards, for unfaithful followers. Jesus' body is broken for you and me. Mark's account of the Last Supper unpacks this gospel with three important details we're going to look at this morning. The first one is God's plan includes betrayal. Number one, God's plan includes betrayal. Did you recognize this description of the preparation for the Passover? Seems very reminiscent of his entrance into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry. Remember, he sends the two disciples in to get the donkey. Does it sound similar? It should. I think it's meant to. They, both times, Jesus sends these two disciples on these errands, kind of mysterious errands, and they have mysterious meetings, and they both take place exactly as Jesus predicted. In fact, if you look in the original language, there are 11 consecutive words that are identical. So Mark is intentionally doing this and showing this for effect. He wants to show us that Jesus is in complete control. He has knowledge of all these events, When he dies on the cross, he's not a a victim. This isn't an accident. He's not a tragic hero. God has a plan, and this is the plan. He's never desperate. He's never afraid. He isn't angry. He doesn't cower when people are betraying him, when there are plots afoot. He is displaying sovereign authority every step of the way. Judas can betray him, but it's with his full knowledge. He knows what's going down. Someone sent me a clip this week of a national news anchor who said, Jesus wasn't perfect. Now, this man's not a Christian. We should pray for him. He just doesn't know Jesus. And I hope someone's able to tell him about this man he doesn't know about. The author of our gospel is the perfect witness for him. This is an eyewitness of account. And you can learn about Jesus and by the grace of God, understand and believe. Jesus Christ is fully God. He was born of a virgin. He's fully man. In his humanity, he is perfect. He is the perfect man. This is who he is. We're seeing just how spectacular he is. He's worthy of praise. Fully God, fully man, beautiful. Verse 12 says, On the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and and prepare for you to eat the Passover. These guys are excited. Everyone is excited. It's the beginning of the Passover. It's the holiest feast in Israel, in the Jewish year. 
It, it commemorated the deliverance from Egypt when the angel of death passed over the firstborn in Jewish homes that had sprinkled the Passover lamb's blood on the door frames. And they were, they were celebrating once a year. And it was the big event. This is the big one. There, there was a great crowd of people that flooded into Jerusalem. There was no hope of social distancing. The Jewish historian Josephus estimated there were two and a half million people in Jerusalem at this time. There was a lot of excitement. It was, things were happening. And these disciples felt it. They're, they're jazzed and they want to know, where are you? Verse 21. We want to go prepare for you to eat the Passover. He sends two disciples. Luke tells us it's Peter and John. And they get these undercover instructions. A man will be carrying water. Now, most of the time, apparently, in that culture, women carried water. So it'd be a little odd for a man to be carrying water. And then this mystery man's going to take him to the owner of the house. And Jesus displays his divine foreknowledge, just like he did when they entered Jerusalem. Say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where's my guest room? The guy's not going to say, what are you talking about? He's going to say, oh, it's right here. He's careful. He's deliberate about preparing the Passover because this is a foundational moment in the history of the church. He is revealing who He is. This is who Jesus is. He's preparing this Passover meal. He's got this setting. Peter's an eyewitness. He's given the account to Mark. Mark's recording it for us, for you and me today. The Holy Spirit is present this morning. It's self-authenticating. This is the Word of God. This is who Jesus is. The Passover lamb will interpret who he is. It will be fulfilled in his death. It will inaugurate a new covenant, a new relationship with the Lord in his blood poured out for many. Verse 17, it's evening. He's with the twelve. They're reclining at the table and Jesus says, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who's eating with me. In the midst of God's plan and all that God is doing, there's betrayal. It's, it's the Passover meal and the Last Supper is in the midst of this. And, and, G, and Mark is focused on Jesus' betrayal and his impending death as the pa Passover fulfillment. And he expects his readers to understand what a Passover meal was like. But he focuses on the moments that are important to what Jesus is doing, which is revealing who he is. So if you don't know Jesus, this is a wonderful moment for you. This is who he is. This is who Jesus is. He's the fulfillment of this Passover lamb. It's the beginning of his final gathering with these 12 disciples. They're reclining at the table and eating. 
And he says, one of you is going to betray me. It's a very dramatic moment. We're going we're to receive the Lord's Supper today. It's, it's a holy moment for the church. Some churches symbolize this. They have polished cups and they have linen altar cloths. We, we give you like a little thing like this. But it's a holy moment. This last supper was where the Lord's Supper that the church will celebrate for centuries is given. It's instituted. And it began with Jesus' friends reclining with Him and Him making this announcement of betrayal. It's a fulfillment of Psalm 41, verse 9. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who I ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Psalm 41, verse 9. Hundreds of years before the event, it's a prophecy that's fulfilled right now. One of you will betray me. Every disciple now is examining himself. Everyone in this room, everyone listening by live stream, if you're a disciple of the Lord, you should be sobered. We should be examining ourselves. They began to be sorrowful, verse 19, and say to one another, is it I? That's what we should be saying. Sorrowful is only used twice in, the, in this entire book. It's always used, both times, for those who fail Jesus. They are the ones who are grieved. There's joy in following Jesus, but there's grief in failing Him and falling away. In my 37 years of ministry, I've had a front row seat unfortunately, to betrayal. Most notably, when a spouse commits adultery. And what's striking to me as I thought about this is, is the response of the one, the sorrow of the one who has been unfaithful. It's more striking than the ones who've been sinned against. They often seem that they are more affected. They are stunned. They weep. They beg for mercy. They're afraid. Obviously, the one who's been sinned against, it's a horrible tragedy. But the unfaithful spouse doesn't escape the consequences of their unfaithfulness and betrayal. Good news is forgiveness and redemption. So if you've committed adultery, if you've been unfaithful, if you've been sinned against, there's redemption in the blood of Christ. That's what we're preaching today. It's amazing. The forgiveness of the Lord. He forgave. And these men, these betrayers, were forgiven and redeemed. When someone betrays a friend, they, they are deeply saddened. They're, verse 20 said it's one of the twelve because there was a lot of other people at the meal and they thought they were the most likely candidates to be the betrayer. Not one of the twelve. No, it's, it's one of the twelve. 
It's one of his closest followers. It's his friend. It's his friend he's been with, he's trusted. It's one of those whose very hands have dipped into his bowl. It's a very dramatic moment. And by dawn of the next day, because of greed, because of weakness, because of fear and cowardice, all of these disciples will betray him. The perfect man who never one time sinned against them, but was always faithful. Harry Truman was the President of the United States. He once said, if you want a friend, get a dog. I'm sure he meant a Labrador Retriever. He said that because of how fickle people are. Thomas Watson was a a, a Puritan pastor. He, He had this to say to encourage us when our friends betray us. Perhaps you put too much confidence in them. He said, friends are like brittle glasses and if you lean too hard on them, they're going to break. But he said, you have a friend in heaven who will never fail you. The Lord is your best friend. Not only is He your best friend, but when your weak human friends betray you, He will give you joy and contentment. He is a loving friend. His love is as far beyond our thoughts as it is above what we deserve. He gave Himself for us. He cares for you. He considers your business His business. He provides for you. He's a faithful friend. He's a constant friend. About human friends... They often, in adversity, drop off as leaves in autumn. But He is a friend forever. We are weak. It's a a haunting question. Is it I? Am I going to betray the Savior? Am I going to fall away when I'm bullied, when I'm tempted? It echoes down to the 21st century. Is it me? Is it you? This morning we need courage and we need grace because we are weak. We are not perfect, are we? He is, we aren't. I I started to put my shoes on in my office this morning. I'm like, I brought the wrong shoes. Not, Not the wrong pair. One shoe was one pair of shoes from one pair. One pair was from the other. I mean, there's no hope, you know, you can't come in with two different shoes on. So I called my wife and she, you know what she said, Sherry? She goes, I am so sorry I forgot to lay out your shoes today for you. I was like, yeah, man, yeah, who's going to take care of me? Expect me to pick out my own shoes? We are weak, aren't we? We make mistakes. And we need this morning the grace that comes to us because this body was broken for you. Verse 21, the Son of Man goes as it is written in Him, but woe to that man. Woe to that man. Woe is a word from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament on the lips of a prophet, Woe was an announcement of doom. This is an announcement. This is a curse of doom for Judas. 
from the greatest prophet in the Bible. And, and this, this verse gives us insight, doesn't it? Into the relationship between God's plan and man's freedom and responsibility. Many have wondered, now, now why would Judas be held responsible for his actions when his betrayal is part of God's plan? As it is written, what could he do? He can't stop Almighty God. He's one of Jesus' chosen disciples. His betrayal's a grave evil, but it was an evil that fulfilled God's plan. Peter's preaching after the resurrection. He's praying to the Lord. He says, truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God predestined for Judas to betray Jesus. The Son of Man goes as it is written of Him. It means these events fulfill God's sovereign plan recorded in Scripture. He went to the cross according to God's predetermined will. But Judas is not exonerated. He's guilty. According to Scripture, neither Jesus nor Judas is a victim, a pawn in God's hand. Woe to that man! The providence of God doesn't mean that we aren't free to act in evil ways. It doesn't mean we aren't responsible for our actions. Providence and human choice meet together. They intersect in this word betray. And it's instructive. Jesus is at work fulfilling God's purposes and Judas is sinfully betraying the Son of Man. Woe to Him. How do I know? It's the truth we find repeatedly revealed in God's Word. A second detail, a second important detail in our text today is that our responsibilities that we're called to are beyond our own abilities. Our responsibilities are beyond our own abilities. We're called to faithfully follow Christ our whole lives. It's beyond our ability. It's a work of the Spirit. We've got to be strong in the strength that God supplies in the midst of the war. Verse 22, took the bread, he blessed it, he blessed it, he gave thanks for it, he broke it, and he gave it to them and he said, take, this is my body. He took bread, this is my body. So in the context of unfaithfulness, defection, and betrayal, Mark puts the story of the Last Supper in his literary sandwich. It's the central part. He's highlighting it, underlining it. He's brief but effective. Notice the verbs in verse 22. Eat. Take, bless, break, give, say, take. All these are about Jesus and His gracious activity on behalf of all His disciples. He gave Himself away for His disciples. Holy, He held nothing back. He offers Himself today for His followers, those who will trust in Him. They can all feed on Him by faith. 
when they gather this morning at the Lord's table. They can enjoy fellowship with God in Him at the table. They are united together in one loaf. Such an important word for the church of Jesus Christ today. Sadly, this verb is, take this is my body. It's a verb, I think, meant to be understood as a metaphor. The bread means my body. It's been the source of incredible division in the church over the centuries. This little word is. All from a text that reveals we're all one in Christ. One loaf of bread. May, may, may this motivate us not to divide over trivial, superficial things. May this help us. We live in a culture now that is polarized. That means, you know, as far away as they can get and they just keep getting farther. I think part of our mission is to be united. doesn't mean we don't disagree. In fact, we will disagree. We need to be ready for disagreement, but we don't need to divide over the word is. We don't need to divide over several things I could mention now, but it would probably be polarizing to say it. Woe to those who cause division in the body of Christ. Woe. Woe. Verse 23, he took a cup, given thanks, he gave it to him. They all, they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Wine is a metaphor for his death. It becomes a reality when he dies on the cross. His life is poured out. They all drank of it. All is a big word now going forward in this chapter. They all drank of it. Verse 23, verse 31, they all swear allegiance to Jesus. They all fall away. They all flee. The Lord's Supper is not a table of merit. It's a table of grace. <laughs> the original Last Supper is attended by traitors and cowards. He poured His life out for them. Isn't that good news? That's the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He poured out His life for traitors and cowards like me and you. Got an amen from the baby. We need this grace. Our responsibilities are beyond our own abilities. It's a new covenant. It's a new covenant in His blood. The Lord said in Jeremiah 31, I'll, I'll make a new covenant. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them up out of the land of Egypt. This is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I'll put my law within them. I'll write it on their hearts. I'll be their God. They shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they'll all know the Lord. It's a new covenant. We can remain faithful in these difficult days ahead. We can be strong and courageous when we're opposed, when we're bullied. We can stay faithful when our faith is tested and tried 
Because we have a new covenant. These very disciples who are cowards and traitors become some of the most courageous men in the history of mankind. They died for their faith, most of them. All because of Jesus Christ. He was the suffering servant of the Lord. And He gave His life away. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. That's what we're going to celebrate today. We're not about being moralistic. We're not legalist. We're going to come and receive grace. The Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. And the way to fight for joy in Christ and keep Him at the center and keep Him our treasure is to think about this. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to remember it, especially this morning as we share the Lord's Supper. Finally, final detail, His body was broken for us. It means gospel transformation. We receive all we need to remain faithful to Him for another 30 years. It's what explains C.H. Spurgeon. It's the grace of God available to us because of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, I say to you, I'll not drink it again of the fruit of the vine till that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. He's, he's telling them about His resurrection. He says in verse 28, after I am raised up. And then He promises them, I'm going to drink it again. It's going to be in the kingdom of God. It's a joyful text. I will be raised. It's easy to miss, isn't it? I'm going to be raised up, by the way, and I'll meet you back in Galilee. I'm not sure they got that. <laughs> they never seem to get this when he promises his resurrection. You will all fall away. I think they were focused on that. Is, that, is it I? He's telling them the effect of of His death on them. It's not going to be a willful rebellion. It's a slip. It's a failure. It's a mistake. It's a blunder. He told them in chapter 13, listen, be watchful. Be steadfast. Don't waver. He's been teaching them this all the way to Jerusalem, but they, they failed to obey this command. It's warning, spiritual danger, pay attention, be careful, watchful, but they, they don't do it. He says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. It's Zechariah 13, it's a fulfillment of this. He said, this is what's going to happen. It's a warning. We're being warned this morning. We are being warm. We are in a spiritual battle and there is a target on our faith. Winston Churchill, during the Blitz, he would be taken to houses in the country with other important leaders of the government because the Germans were coming and bombing London. From the air, some of the British pilots noticed that the main house he went to had a white gravel driveway up and a driveway around for the cars to park 
towards the house. It was out in the country, so you're flying along trees, and all of a sudden you see this white driveway. It just looked like, bomb here. And so they had camouflage teams, and they came in, and they put sod all over that, and then it was this camouflage, and they thought they had it fixed, but then one day some British pilots are flying over, and they noticed that the driveway was fine, but now somebody had plowed, and it, was, it literally was like, a bomb was pointed at the house. It was striking. So they got the security people, and they suspected foul play. Some German spy has gotten a tractor and plowed this up. They did an investigation. It was a tenant farmer. They determined it was an accident. He wasn't a German spy. He was trying to help the war effort. They had this, this thing called grow more food. Look anywhere for a place to plant food. So he saw this place and he plowed it up and just happened to look like a bomb pointed at Churchill's country house. We would be wise to be this cautious. We have an enemy. And he is going to bomb your soul. And right now, there is spiritual danger. Peter says in verse 29... Even though they all fall away, I will not. I'm sure that blessed John and the other disciples. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. We're reminded of when Jesus first predicted his sufferings. And remember, Peter rebuked him. You know, he didn't learn his lesson. His disciples, and Peter's a spokesman for all of them, they're self-confident. They're arrogant. They're not humble. They're self-righteous. Peter insults Jesus. He's rude. And, and really insults the other disciples too. Even though they all fall away, which I, I wouldn't be surprised, I will stand. Defends himself. He's the exception. But Jesus interrupts him three times. You're going to deny me. Now is not the time for self-righteousness. Now is not the time for pride. Now is the time to humble ourselves. No one ever plans to fall away from Christ. No one gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to betray the Lord today. No one looks ahead and says, a couple years, I think I'll stop living for the Lord and I'll, I'll be a materialist. I'll be worldly. We're all like the disciples, all of them. We think, I won't deny you. I'll not fall away. I'd die for Jesus. We all think that way. And these days, our faith is being tested. Make no mistake, your faith is under attack. Maybe more subtle than you Expect, but the enemy of your soul has one goal. He's going to destroy your faith. In Luke's account of this, Jesus says to Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. And that's what's going on with all of us today. It's, there's, there's spiritual danger. All these disciples are boasting. We need to be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. So let's come to the table this morning 
and appropriate the grace for courage and faithfulness for another 30 years. Let me ask the worship team to come. You already have the elements of communion. If you're comfortable with this, we've done our very best to make this safe in the midst of a pandemic. He took the bread. He explains our unity with the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And now He's explaining this unity with this bread. This supper is a, is a metaphor where we see this reality. The bread is about Jesus' body. So Jesus does four things that summarizes all. He's revealing Himself and He does four things that just reveals who He is. He's taken a body as a man and in that body He's lived a life where He's given thanks to God. He's blessed God. He's been faithful. And now He will lay down that life. His body is broken on the cross so that in the end He could give Himself to us. He died in our stead. He doesn't have a contract in the new covenant with us that depends on our faithfulness. He doesn't have a loose affiliation with us. We're united to Him by faith. He's, he's like the bread and the wine we're about to receive. He, he enters us. He's one with us through His Spirit. The division of sin is undone in the body of Christ. The division between God and man and the division between people, between men and women, between black Americans and white Americans, between Jew and Gentile. In Him, we're brought together and we're made one. One body, one loaf, one with each other, and one with Him. The hostility is killed. He took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take it. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks... He gave it to them. And they all drank of it and He said to them, this is My blood of the covenant which is poured out for you, for many. Heavenly Father, thank You for the Word of Christ. Thank You, Lord, for providing for us in every way. Fill us with Your Spirit, Lord. As we gather Wednesday night for our prayer time, hear our prayers. Lord, our, our world needs the gospel Amen. of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Lord, we need faith in Christ. Let Christ be the treasure of every individual 
as we consider today this body broken for us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.